0: this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us, and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Like we might have had some technical difficulties. That happens, right? I'm well, sure I'm glad to see each and every one of you. If you're worshiping with us online, a very warm and special welcome to you as well. My name is Mark. I am the pastor here and I am so delighted that we can be together in God's house where it's dry, where it's warm, and there's also that sense of love that we feel with each other. And I I gotta say a moment of personal privilege just how grateful I am this morning. Uh, So many outstanding things are happening. I'm so excited about the passion to get our growth groups back up and running again. Uh, We've just since I've been here in almost three years, I've been trying like crazy to get things started and there'd be a COVID outbreak or something What crazy would happen. Uh, and so I'm just delighted that uh, the Platts and the Cannon family and others are willing to step up and help provide some leadership for us. And I can't wait to hear some of the things uh, that are interesting. Uh, I know we've already had one at least get posted on the live stream uh, comment section. So that'd be a great place if you're not here to fill out a card. If you're with us online and have an interest or an idea for some type of a uh, a growth group, small group, life group type thing, put it in the comment section. We'll be sure to get, uh, get those and add them to our bucket. So anyway, great, great, great. Uh, if you are here this morning, whether you're in the space uh, or online, I would encourage you to pull out your follow along notes as we are continuing through our Uh, survey of the book of Galatians. Last week we started with Galatians chapter 1 and we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 2. The follow notes are available on the Hope Church Plus app and for those who are here in the worship space we also have them available uh, on inside the info guide. So exciting time, exciting way to be here. uh, But before we go I want to ask you a couple questions. Is there anybody in here who likes a good cheeseburger? What about like a cheeseburger pizza? right? Is there anybody in here who likes shrimp etafé or, uh, I don't know shellfish because I'm allergic to it, but you know, like a good lobster tail. Anybody here like some good shellfish? Some clams? Yeah. How many of you like those athletic type shirts like the the moisture wicking? I know our love shirts and the Mia shirts and and some of the Jacob Tanner memorial shirts are all made with like a mixed fabric that helps wick moisture and stays cool. Anybody like those types of shirts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love these, uh, these jeans. They're, um, they're sort of skinny jeans, but I tell you what, they're so flexible, I could just bend and do my Jesus jig all day. I love them. I love them. It's all made possible by those mixed fabrics. These are things that we, we like, we love. Cheeseburgers and, uh, and shrimp and shellfish and mixed fabrics. I've got a tattoo on my left shoulder. Anybody have some permanent ink? And i will made with a sharpie. <laughs> now, what if I were to tell you that we're breaking Old Testament laws Whether are cheeseburgers, pizzas, shrimp, mixed fabric, clothes, tattoos, working on Sundays, how does it make you feel? A little uncomfortable, right? As Christianity was beginning to spread into the Gentile areas, and this is the things that we started looking at last week. We're going to go a little deeper into it today and again next week as well. These were issues and things that were beginning to cause some conflict and consternation within the Christian movement as it was spreading reason being is the old testament is filled with so many laws and regulations and as we looked at the three main themes from last week we see how easy it is to stray from god's way paul referenced this as he started his letter he started talking about how easily and how quickly people who were so devoted to jesus began to slip and to stray And the secondary reason is that these false teachers were coming in and these false teachers were beginning to say because it seems so simple yet so complex that there were other steps or stages that needed to be put in the way to try to help us make sense of the fact that God's message of salvation comes completely through grace. All on what Jesus did and what God does for us still, not based on our own behavior or our own ability to follow rules. Yet in order to try to make the simple so complicated, to feel that we can deserve something or earn something, these false teachers and even our very human nature today continues to want to say, just give me an equation to fill out, give me a card to punch, right? Just give me something that I can do to help me realize and recognize and know deep in my soul that I'm all right with God. And then when we get to that point and we start pouring through all the rules and we realize that even things like mixed fabric clothing, shellfish and cheeseburgers all violate those rules. And as many people want to keep coming and put steps and stages between God's offer of salvation and our ability to be saved, then we are also succumbing and falling victim to those false teachers and it's not just the false teachers this speaks specifically into our human nature because we we want the equation we want the steps that just tell me what i gotta do and i'll do it and the scripture says repeatedly call on the name jesus believe that he is god's one and only son and god raised him from the dead and you will be saved it's like that's it you know i don't have to go get all this education i don't have to Go do all this. I don't have to go on certain mission trips to certain continents. No. Accept that you are a sinner. That's ACC, EPD. Accept that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus is God's one and only son sent to die for our sins, and he died for your sins. And then confess your sinfulness, and you will be saved. That's it. Now, of course, before we start thinking, well, that's pretty simple. yes. But the responsibility that comes as a result of our salvation, as a result of hearing the good news, that is what calls us to be different, calls us to be set apart, calls us to be holy, and as we talked about last week, calls us to be awesome for Jesus. It's not taking God's love and grace and mercy for granted. It's allowing that to change our lives. And we get this so backwards, so frequently, and so perniciously. Isn't that a great word, perniciously? just came to mind. But that's because of it. We want to make it harder that way we feel like when we've accomplished it when we've done it we've earned it put in my two cents my pound of flesh if it's up to us our money our flesh whatever and it's not about the value of jesus and the blood that he shed well it's almost like jesus died for nothing interesting point so let's dig into the scripture right Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21, reading out of the New International Version this morning. This is what we see the Apostle Paul writing about this whole idea of trying to balance rule following, responding to God's offer of salvation, and receiving the grace and the mercy that he gives us. So this is what Paul wrote, beginning with verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles—you may want to underline that. It's going to come up in a second—know that a person is not justified by the works of the law— but by faith in Jesus Christ, period. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now I'm going to press pause really quickly. What that means is, is that justification being made right with God, following all the rules and the regulations and stuff, it means the moment that you break one, then you've broken the entire law. It's not like you can you know, just get a little demerit here. You get half a point off here like you might on a math quiz or something. It's once you violate the law of the commandment, you violated the whole thing. You've got to start over. Whether or not you go to jail and collect your $200 or with inflation, you know, or uh, you know, maybe only worth $1.50. But still, the whole idea is when you break one piece of God's law, you've broken the entire thing. So you begin to see how impossible of a standard this is. This is why Paul's writing about this so passionately. So let's just pick it back up. This is verse 17 if you're following in your own Bibles. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, what does it say? Christ died for nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's give thanks to God. Amen. All right, so this can be kind of tricky, challenging stuff. I hope that as we go through it, that it will become clearer for you. If you still have questions, please ask me, right? Send me a text, a uh, comment on Facebook, something like that. I would love to help make sure that this is clear for you because all of us struggle with this idea. We just want to make it, we want it to be simple, but we want to make it hard. So Paul begins talking about, as we set the stage for our main content that's going to flow from here, Paul sets up this idea of sinful Gentiles. Now, when Paul is talking about sinful Gentiles, he's talking, remember, um, mainly about people who are looking at non-Jewish Christians and thinking that they need another step in order to be saved because they are not following the Jewish rules and regulations. We talked about this last week with circumcision, right? Remember the, the religious... Leaders and the false teachers wanted to say that you need to do something like circumcision or following these rules and these regulations, which may seem completely foreign to you. You've got to do these things in order to be saved by Jesus. And Paul is like, absolutely not. It cannot be that way. And the reason that we see that setting up last week and coming in this week is precisely about what we see happening in this passage. So then Paul asks the question, does Jesus promote sin? How would you answer that? Does Jesus promote sin? The very thing he came to die for and to destroy, he promotes sin? Of course not. And so Paul asks this question rhetorically by asking anyone who will hear, would Jesus ask you to do something that violates what we know to be the right thing? It sounds almost absurd, doesn't it? Would Jesus ask or command us to do something that goes against what he'd already accomplished? No. And so what we see happening here is Paul is is talking about Jesus not promoting sin. Is he is saying Jesus himself is not someone who is going to put steps or stages between you and your salvation. Right? Pay no attention to the man who's going backstage to see if we can fix the lights, Right? (laughs) <laughs> i left my breakdancing back in 1983 or whenever <laughs> yeah good thing yeah those here on the front i'd be afraid i'd come off anyway all right obviously we're having some lighting issues but for the sake of those who are listening in the podcast later we're gonna we're gonna continue and if you need to close your eyes speci- specifically if you have photosensitivity uh, we live with that in our house. We're very sensitive to it as well. Uh, but p- p- continuing with this is Jesus himself is not going to expect us to do anything that would put a stage or a step between what he had already accomplished for us on the cross. For us to do anything else, for us to say that it has to be Jesus plus whatever, is to essentially say that Jesus is death. Is something that happened in vain. Please tell me, does that make sense? Okay, thank you for letting me know. We're gonna spend another second on this then. For us to add anything to Christ's death on the cross in order for us to achieve salvation means that Jesus died in vain. Now, does that make sense? I'm not sure if that means that we need to spend a little bit more time on this, or I don't need to spend any more time on this. So I'm just going to say that one more time before I get a migraine. And that's the lights, right? That's the lights. It can't be that it is Jesus' sacrifice plus anything else we add to it for our salvation. It has to be Jesus and Jesus alone. The scriptures do not say for those who call upon the name of the Lord and do not eat a cheeseburger will be saved. It does not say for those who put their faith and their hope in Christ and never wear a mixed fabric garment again will be saved. It doesn't. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. So that means it's available and accessible to everybody. Everybody, if Jesus's death on the cross is sufficient for one time and all time, then that means it is sufficient for all people. Those who are in Paul's Jewish audience, who are looking at the Gentiles and saying, you sinful Gentiles, you don't follow the rules, but also for the Gentiles... Who are saying that all the other people who've done things their entire lives and for culture, things like that, you're crazy. You're not able to be saved. Paul's like, no, that doesn't work either. And in fact, we see this in the book of Romans. Because in the book of Romans, Paul starts challenging the Gentile readers and listeners. Does it mean or can it be that for you in order to get more grace in your life, more sanctification in your life, that you can just go ahead and go on sinning? No, because some people might say that as well, is that if the more I sin, the more God's grace has to cover me, that means the more I sin, the more grace I get. Now see, that's something that can make sense to us humans, right? You mean the more, the more Oreos I eat, the more weight I'm going to gain? Yes. At some point, that law of diminishing returns must kick in, so it means I'm going to eat more Oreos and eventually be able to lose more weight. No, that's, that's how absurd it is. And that's the point that Paul was trying to make is that this cannot be about adding anything else to the sacrifice and the sanctifying process of Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness? What a day for me not not to put my nuts on my iPad. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. So we hope that it comes up from here, right? All right, very good. All right, so what we see next is that Jesus does not promote sin. And so Jesus did not die in vain. That's the third point. Okay, we're picking it back up. So what about the law? Now, this is a valid question. Does this mean we just have to throw everything out because of the law, because of what we see or we know that happened or transpired before Christ's sacrificial death on the cross? No, Paul would not go as far as—thank you, Curtis— Paul would not go as far as to say that we have to completely abandon the law— because one of the things the law does is it helps us to get behavioral standards. Now, we know we're not going to be saved based on the things that we eat or the clothes that we wear. Our salvation comes in our relationship to God, the Father who sent his son Jesus to die for us and then dwells the Holy Spirit within us so that as we live, we live for him, precisely as the Apostle Paul wrote about. So, the law still gives us behavioral standards, and this is one of those things that's got to be vitally important. Because if we're going to say something like, well, if, uh, if it means I can eat a cheeseburger now, or if I can go get me some chip de I can do something like that. That means I don't have to follow the Ten Commandments, and you know, I can have an idol in front of me. I can go covet all I want, right? I can go uh, take out somebody if I don't like them. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the essence of salvation and sanctification. These behavioral standards are vital. But what the law also does is it reveals to us our sin and our sinfulness. Something else that I wrote down in my notes this morning, handwritten as I was going through it, it also has a tendency to reveal our blind spots. Because so much of the law has to deal with idolatry, the things that we put in front of God in our lives. So it reveals our sin and it reveals us or reveals our blind spots to us where we're willing to make some of those simple compromises that are ending up applying Crisco to the slippery slope of life. It reveals our blind spots. But it points us to this third thing is it reminds us to trust God in those areas that are easy for us. Like I said, I am allergic to shellfish. I don't have to worry about that. But I do love me a cheeseburger. It reminds me that my only hope for salvation is trusting in Jesus Christ. That there is nothing I can do to earn my salvation or my relationship with God except receiving the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Full stop. Friends, that's it, that's the gospel. It reminds you that you have to trust God, not your own behavior or performance. Because the moment that we violate one little piece of the law, we violated the whole thing. God doesn't sectionalize it. He doesn't segment it. He doesn't dissect it. It is the law. When you break a piece, you break the whole thing. And so this is why we have to trust God. The Apostle Paul would write about this throughout his New Testament letters and saying that The law was there to remind us how far and how fast we fall from God's righteous standard. And so our trust can only be in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. It reminds us that we must trust God. It is trusting in God that makes us right with God. The theological term for this is justification. Justification. Justification is the fancy word... That means how we are made right with God. And we should have a slide about this. Our justification is simply about our faith in Jesus. And it points to the reality that the relationship is more important than the rules. This is what God is saying. When Christ died on the cross and Christ said it is finished. God's wrath is complete. The salvation for humankind is now at hand. Jesus is essentially telling all of us. That the relationship with him as God's one and only son and the one who he would be raised from the dead is more important than any rule. Again, this doesn't mean that we can go break all the rules that we want because we're saved. That's taking God's grace for granted. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. But what it does say is it points to us that without God, we are lost. Without Jesus, we are hopeless. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot live for him. It's absolutely essential for us to move beyond The things that call us into these challenges and say, it's got to be something more. It's got to be harder. No, it's got to be faith in Jesus. Remember my ABC's of salvation. Accept ACCEPT. Accept that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the one who came and died for your sins and confess your faith and your hope in Jesus alone. And you will be saved. It's not down to the clothes you wear or the food you eat. It's simply about Knowing that you are a sinner, knowing that Jesus came to die for your sins, and knowing that when you put your faith in Jesus, you will be justified, made right with God. This justification puts you on a process that we also call sanctification, which is a fancy word that talks about being made into that image of Jesus, being more like Jesus. And so justification is that moment we realize that we are lost without his help. And sanctification is that process from the moment you are justified, you're made right with God, until the moment you are reunited with God. It's that moment, it's that time, that process that helps us realize that we are saved by God's grace. And that sanctification process, does that mean you'll never have another sin? Or you'll never make another mistake? Or you'll never get anything wrong? No. But what it does mean is you are covered by the love and the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So that even when you do make your mistakes, even when you do sin, you do fall, you're not cast out, but you're invited to come forward to bask in that forgiving love and grace of God available to you because of who Jesus is and what he did for you. So let's look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 out of the message version. This is going to recap one of the verses that we've already read because I love the way that it puts it. And then we're going to dig into a passage out of 1 Corinthians, which hopefully is going to bring it all back together. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 from the message it says, We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. So that's one sentence that summarizes what I said in seven minutes, right? It's not rule keeping. How do we know? We tried it, and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human can please God by self improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right. Before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. That's the essence of salvation there, my friends. Our salvation that comes through our justification is in trusting Jesus, not by trying to follow the rules. Why? Because the moment that we break one rule, we are confronted with the reality that we've broken all of them. And it doesn't matter. All that matters is our trust in Jesus christ so this gives us ultimate freedom right but with great responsibility spider-man had it right with great power comes great responsibility that wasn't supposed to be in the message today but you know there's a great anything in responsibility you got to go with (sighs) spider-man let's look at first corinthians chapter 8 verses 9 through 12 this comes in a section where the apostle paul is writing about food sacrifice to idols and he has this great little phrase that he uses repeatedly in this section of 1 corinthians he says all things are per- benif- i'm sorry all things are permissible for me but not all things are beneficial all things are permissible but not all things are beneficial so let's read what paul has to say about that be careful however that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak this talks about the responsibility that you have if our job is to point people to jesus don't put things between you and other people are going to say oh i don't want that jesus guy if that's the way that they act remember that was it the dalai lama who said uh, or no it was gandhi who said i love your christ very much your christian's not so much we're all hypocrites thank goodness for god's grace All right, verse 10, for someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Why did it have to go there? So in our freedom... We can sin when we are putting those stumbling blocks and those stepping stones between Jesus and someone else's salvation. Jesus would also say in in the Gospels that anyone who causes a little one to stumble or fall, whether it's a child or someone who's childlike in their faith, they might as well go hang a rock around their neck and go jump in the lake. That's how seriously Christ took this. So we may have all the freedom in the world. But if we exercise our freedom in such a way that it puts a stumbling block between someone else's acknowledgement of Jesus' belief in his, de- in his victory over death and their confession in him, then we are sinning against Christ. This is a pretty tough writing that Paul is offering because it's getting back to Jerusalem as he's writing these, that he's saying these hard and harsh things came down with a showdown that he would have with peter at the council of jerusalem mentioned this last week acts chapter 15 and it resolved itself as peter said if our job is solely to point people to jesus why are we fighting why are we fighting The reality is their human nature comes back into it and we recognize that it is far more serious than cheeseburgers and shrimp and mixed fabric clothing it gets to our very human nature the fact that we are so easily tempted two basic kinds of competition or temptation i've already let the first one out which happens to be the last one anyway comparing and competing these are the two temptations that we so easily succumb to the first is we try to earn God's favor through performance. And when we are performing and we are competing, we are typically competing against other people. It's kind of like that story about the two guys that are out running in the woods. They see a bear coming. And he says, I don't know how you're going to outrun a bear. so I don't have to outrun the bear. So I have to outrun you. Right? You ever heard that story? <laughs> That's what happens when we take this competition approach to our faith. Is I don't have to be better than anybody but one person to justify the way that I feel about myself. So we cannot earn God's favor through performance. The only way we can earn God's favor is by saying, I believe that Jesus, your son, was crucified for my sins, was raised from the grave, and he sends his Holy Spirit to live in me so I can live for you. That's it. That's all he wants. And then he wants us to use our lives in holiness and grace and mercy to help point people to him so that someone can say, my goodness, that church is full of hypocrites. You could say, my goodness, there's room for another, right? That's what we're talking about here. So we have to fight this temptation to compete, but we also have to fight the temptation to compare. Again, our own righteousness against another. Because as Paul referenced throughout Galatians, that time we try to make it about Jesus plus something else, what is our performance, what we wear, what we eat, what we say, where we go, what we do, then Christ died in vain. That cannot be. We are given ultimate freedom through the death of Jesus Christ. But that freedom must come with a responsibility that we are called to live like Jesus, to grow, to become more like Jesus, to point people to Jesus. And in so doing, help them see that there is room for everybody in God's family. So, my friends, if you were here this morning and you're continuing to try to struggle and find the balance between how it is that rules really are less important than relationships, I want to invite and encourage you today to make it about that relationship that you have with God through His one and only Son and our Savior Jesus Christ. That He is the connecting point, He is the hub of the wheel, and that we are the spokes. We are the branches of that tree, to mix my metaphors. And then our job is to bring as many people to Jesus as we possibly can. So we have that vertical relationship with God to become more like Jesus. We also have that horizontal relationship with others to bring people to Jesus. And oh my goodness, what is that sign? It's a cross. We're going to talk more about that cross next week. And I hope that you will make plans to be here. But between now and then... When we gather again, I want you to focus on your own tendency to make salvation about anything other than what Jesus did and accomplished for you on the cross. To allow God to reveal to you your own sinfulness, your own blind spots and say, I want it to be about Jesus and something else. Forgive me for that and help me to find the relationships with God and with one another that make me all of us more like jesus are you with me friends let's pray together almighty god we thank you for today and we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us i thank you for this book of galatians which challenges us at some of that heart human basic level when even though you've so freely given us your son, and our savior, Jesus, and our salvation as a result of our faith and trust in him, we still want it to be more complicated. The reality is is that it is a challenge. It is tough when we realize that we have to completely surrender our lives to be like you, to be the people you've created and call us to be, and to relate to other people in ways that bring them and draw them closer to you. Lord, forgive us for those times when we go willy-nilly with the idea that all things are permissible though they may not be beneficial and help us to rise above those things that we want to latch onto and hold on to so that no one may be left behind because of how we see you and so forgive us in those ways when we who are close to you sin against you by trying to make it by anything other than our relationship with you as we continue to try to draw people closer to you and to be with you and be with all people to offer those glimpses of humanity sorry, glimpses of salvation even in the midst of our wretched humanity and so lord god bless us and keep us and help us in all ways and all things to be the people you've created and call us to be in the name of jesus i pray amen Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.